If grace is good, does that mean the law is bad? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Brian Dembozik. So, Brian, today we are stepping out of our normal chronological walkthrough of Scripture, um, and we're doing a little bit of a rewind here. Um, And we're going back to John chapter 1. And you know why? Uh, I think I know why. Because Christmas is next week. That's yeah, that would explain it. That's right. So we're getting festive today, and <laughs> not to be confused we, with Fest of Us. No, that's uh, well. I mean, that's coming up too. Um, yeah. You know, and and I really have. And I've some got some grievances I'd like to air. Me too. Um, what about feats of strength? Are we doing feats of strength this year? <laughs> I have no feat of strength. I yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I will zoom- snap this pencil in two. These Zoom calls are a feat of strength. Yeah, they are an endurance test. So. They are, but uh, <laughs> you know, I you know I gotta say I did not expect that when we got around to Christmas we would still be doing this by Zoom. Um, you know, oh so many months ago when the world was still new. And unfortunately, uh, it seems like we're gonna be saying this for quite a while longer still. This is true. Is 2020 going to be like 37 months long? <laughs> exactly. That's that's the All feat right. of strength right there. I got through 2020. Yeah, whenever it eventually ends. All right, so we are we are looking today at um, you know a a passage that I'm sure you all hear preached every single Christmas, every single one, which is John chapter one. Yeah, and of course you all can tell by my tone that I am you know being completely <laughs> facetious and or lying, um, <laughs> but uh, I will say. This is legitimately when I have had the opportunity to preach at Christmas time. This is one of my favorites to do because it's it's just so good, um, and it's so beautiful, and it is a uh, it's an, an important help for us as we think about um, as we think about uh, the the meaning of the season, if you will, and uh, as well as. Yeah. What, um, as as well as helping us remember some some the larger significance of who Jesus is, and not simply seeing him as, um, you know, a human baby, <laughs> which he was, so, but not just. which he was, but he's not. Yeah. So, <laughs> and didn't start out that way. So let's uh, let's do what we we uh, we typically do when we have a passage that is just long enough that we can that we can do it we're going to read this we're going to read a good chunk of john chapter one and uh and then we're going to talk about it so uh in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created in him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God." The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this, is the, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the, only, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. So, you could spend, oh, safely, you know, probably the rest of your life, just sitting in John chapter 1 and not exhaust everything that's there. Because, I mean, you think about everything that's there. You're, you've got the eternality of Jesus. You've got um, his deity. You've got his relationship with Moses and the law and on and on and on are in here. There's a lot going on. Yeah, so, but we're not going to do that. This is not going to be an no. eight-hour episode. It's not? No, we, we, we're going to try our best to kind of keep it on the little bit higher level, look at a couple of the bigger ideas, and, and let a lot of other things stay for another time. Okay, well, it's not going to be a Merry Christmas for me then. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so, Brian, what are some questions we should be asking when we are looking at John chapter 1? I think the first is, why does this passage sound so familiar? You read it, and... Something about it is, okay, this sounds familiar. And the reason is because it connects back to Genesis 1. This is how Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, began Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surfaces of the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was a light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, there was a morning one day. And I'll just stop there. That's through verse five. But all, we see some phrases that are the same in the beginning. We see this light and darkness contrast. So clearly John, inspired by the Spirit, is playing off of Genesis 1. And he's doing that, I think, for a few reasons. One, he wants us to connect to Jesus's eternality in creation. He's reminding us that while we are being introduced to Jesus, who is a baby born, the Son of God, as you were saying earlier, Aaron, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, is eternal. And the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, was at creation and an agent of creation. So John is connecting us back to that for one reason. Another, think about how God created. He spoke the Word he spoke words, and that was his activity of creating. And here John calls Jesus the Word. And so what he's doing is he is reminding us, or telling us for the first time, depending on, on whether you are new at this or not, that 
just as God created everything the first time through a divine decree, if you will, uh, by revealing something about himself through word, through spoken word, here we see that Jesus will has come to create a new, so to speak, that he is going to be redeeming people. He's going to be redeeming what sin had destroyed. He's going to be restoring things. This takes us, of course, to Revelation, which John wrote as well, that in God's plan, Jesus has come, the word of God has come to make all things right again, to make them new again, a, a recreation, so to speak. So there's a parallel there. And then finally, just to, to be clear, we kind of hit on this a minute, but um, just as the Father revealed himself through divine self-expression of speech, he did so again. God revealed himself through the Son, through Jesus, uh, the Word of God. So there are these big ideas under the surface here that John takes this really poetic, powerful approach to starting his gospel. Uh, Matthew, for example, he, he says, I'm writing to Jews, so let me just take him to a genealogy. Really connects with them. Mark, hey, I'm just succinct. Let me just get right after it. John, his approach throughout his gospel, this one that's different from the other three in so many ways, he starts with this beautiful prologue where he's, it's just full of this, this meaning, layers on top of layers. And again, so that's the one thing we, we have to see the connecting points in this, which is why you said rightly, you could spend ages studying just this prologue. It's so rich. And John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, did that for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, I mean, I never get tired of reading this passage. It is so much fun for me. And uh, it is it is just a life-giving one. So, um, you know, y'all do yourselves a favor at Christmas time here and just read this a whole bunch. It's good for you. Now, um, another question we should be asking is um, really coming out of verses 10 and 11, which is why didn't the world and Jesus' people recognize him? And so there's a couple of reasons uh, for this. One is One is just the reality of the hardness of heart that exists because of sin. Um, they, they didn't, they, they wouldn't recognize him because of that. And, but there's something else here too, that for, for the people in general, for, for the Israelites specifically, um, they had the wrong expectations of who the Messiah, uh, was to be. Um, they wanted him to be, you know, a military leader, a, you know, a, a you know, an, overtly powerful king someone a king who looked like a king basically um as opposed to a king who looked like jesus um and so that is a um and and that's just not true now some people will make a claim here about this and i mean i've heard statements like this I've heard, um, you know, people saying, you know, well, if if I, only I saw something like this, mm-hmm. then I would believe. Um, other people today, but related to this specifically, related to John's take on the incarnation, um, some people have this idea that if Jesus would only appear today again, as he did, you know, 2,000 years ago, more people would be saved or, 
if we again if we saw miracles like the red sea being being parted people would be saved um they you know and you pick it you pick the you pick the miracle you pick the example um the if we only yeah but whatever we want to take to it um it's just not true scripture refutes it and this is one of those places that it does um, because it's a reminder that dis- that unbelief and disbelief, um, two related but slightly different concepts, um, run deep in the human heart. When we don't recognize when our hardness of heart prevents us from prevents us from seeing and believing, our hatred of light prevents us from seeing and believing so our loving darkness as uh, as it says elsewhere in John's gospel <laughs> um that that that's a very real thing we love we love what is wrong so yeah. therefore we're not going to love what is good um and then of course we just have we we have wrong expectations and so those things together um shred this I, this idea um, and help us understand why it is that the people wouldn't recognize him. Because if they have, if they have this reality of hard hardness, of yeah. loving sin, and of um, you know, and of having wrong expectations of who Jesus is, of course they're not going to recognize him. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too, Aaron. I've heard people say that you know, if, why, why, why can't Jesus just appear? If he just appeared in the sky, everybody would believe. And and yeah, you, you look at the Gospels; that didn't happen. Um, he, he appeared and not in the sky, but you know, he, he was born and he performed miracles and his teachings. And yet the majority of people still rejected him. Why do we think it would be different today? Yeah. So that kind of takes us to the next question, Aaron. And it's this, we see it in verses 12 and 13, where John tells us that those who believe in Jesus become children of, of God. They have the right to become God's children. Does, does that mean then that unbelievers are not God's children? And the answer is yes, that's what he means. And that's what this scripture says. We know of other passages of Romans uh, where we see clearly that trusting in Jesus, believing in him, one of, the, one of the results of this, an instant result is that we are adopted. Positionally, we go from being enemies estranged from God to in a nanosecond at belief, an act of God, he adopts us. We become positionally his children, his, his sons and daughters, uh, co-heirs with Jesus. So this is really important that we keep in mind. A lot of people will talk about everybody's a child of God, not really only those who believe. It's what Israel really struggled with in the Gospels. If you read through the Gospels, uh, John will deal with this later. A lot of the Jews believed that they were right with God. They were God's children by birth because of their heritage. They believed that made them okay with God. And Jesus told them, no, you're missing it. You know, God, he could make descendants of his out of stones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not your heritage that matters. It's your faith that matters. And so that's what he was trying to get. Jesus was trying to get uh, the Jews of that day to understand that you're not okay. You're you're not God's family because of your lineage or your heritage. You're part of God's family one way, through belief in Jesus. 
that's it. Now, again, with this said, this does not mean that God does not act fatherly toward all of humanity. He does. He is a father toward those who trust in Jesus, but he acts fatherly through common grace to all. So we can't go too far and believe, well, if you're not a child of God, if you have not trusted in Jesus, then, you know, God does not love you at all. That's not what scripture says either. But it does say clearly, as Jesus, or as John intimates here in his prologue, that it is only by belief that we have been given the right to become children of God. Yeah. And then, of course, there is one final question that uh, that we want to address right now, which is the one that kicked off this this episode, um, which is 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 the law bad? Is is what J- John is saying when in verses sixteen and seventeen when he says, "We have all received grace upon grace from His fullness. For the law was given through Moses; grace and truth came from Jesus Christ." Is he saying that the law is bad because it came through Moses? And no, he's not doing that at all. This isn't a this isn't a good versus bad. Um, you know, maybe the better way to think about it is is a a you know a good versus best. Yeah. But what we what we get to remember here when we think about um, you know this this grace upon grace idea. Um, that's in verse 16, is that the law was a gift of grace to God's people. It was a gift of grace through Moses. Um, It was God saying, as my people, this is how I want you to live. And then we get the fullness of all of it. Um, This this extra measure, this double measure of grace, this... um, uh, grace in all of its fullness in the coming of Jesus Christ. And so what John is ultimately expressing here is the progression of grace through God's plan to rescue his people. Yeah. That what, um, what he had always intended from the beginning was ultimately being fulfilled here when Jesus came into the world. All right, so with all that said, uh, let's think about this passage from a discipleship perspective. What guidance can we offer someone working through this passage with someone else? Yeah, I think one of the first things, and, and Aaron, you kind of hinted at this or said it point blank earlier. Th- this is such a rich passage. And as we think about Christmas, this is not one that first comes to mind. Uh, Luke, I think, is the one that most people think of. Then Matthew's account but John really needs to be part of that rhythm. I think as we think about this Christmas season we're in now, or if you're listening to this episode in another time of the year, when, when you think about Christmas in general, we have this propensity to reduce Christmas to a baby being born with some shepherds coming around, wise men coming two to three years later, um, angels and so forth. And all these are important. I do not want to diminish them at all. They are, they teach us something. It all happened. Really important. But we can't miss the bigger truth that John hits on here. And I think we can do that. Sometimes we can get so, um, so, and, and, you know, interested in these details, important as they are, that we forget what it's all about. 
It's about Jesus, creator God, enrobing himself in the flesh and coming to creation that he created, that we broke so that we might have life, light penetrating the darkness of sin. And so in my estimation, when we look at, think about Christmas, think about the Luke account, think about the Matthew account, it's John's account. And the other passages, the books have this, of course, but John, I think, does such a good job of saying, here's the big why. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss the why, what we're celebrating for the long term. Let's not just celebrate a baby in this time. Let's celebrate a man slaughtered on a cross. Let's, let's celebrate a man raised from the dead so that we who trust in him might have life and come into the light. This passage, I think, as we're discipling others, I think this is so helpful um, as we're studying on our own. This is so helpful for us to, to make sure that we are, are looking at the bigger story of Christmas. It's a big story in itself, but it's bigger than shepherds and angels and wise men. Yes, which sounds weird to say that, uh, you know, that one one person in the Trinity coming into human history as a human being is just one part yes. of something. But that's that just should help us to really recognize the the incredible nature of the gospel itself that it's so beautiful and so wondrous that something as amazing as that is just a piece of it yes now the last thing that we would say as well is that we've got to remember that people today are just as blind to the truth of jesus as they were when he first came into the world it's super easy for us to forget how blinded we ourselves were before we were saved by Jesus as well. And so what we don't want to do is, is we don't want to take that for granted. Um, and Christmas is a really great time for us to actually remember this wonderful gift that we've been given Yeah. Um, to think about the gospel and, and redemption as the most beautiful Christmas gift that we could ever get. Um, as cheesy and cliche as that statement may be, um, but that, but we don't want to take that for granted as easy as it is to do, as tempting as it is to do sometimes. And instead, so we need to remember that what is natural for us. So recognizing even the things that we've recognized in this passage, that seems really, no, it seems well, of course, yeah, right? Um, of course that, of course, this is what he's talking about. But for people who, who do not believe it is, it is incredibly unnatural for them to think this way about what, about Jesus and to recognize these things. They do not understand. They do not have eyes to see. And so what we can do is we can take advantage of the appropriate opportunity that Christmas gives us to help them to see and walk them through this and, and Lord willing, see them rejoice in and rejoice with them as they receive this gift themselves. And on that note, let's call it an episode. So 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And Brian, thanks for chatting today. Uh, If you enjoyed this, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.